Kentucky basketball only has seven scholarship players on roster, and they need to do some work on the transfer portal. Thankfully, another big-time piece they could take a look at just entered from Richmond. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I am your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, going to be discussing Richmond transfer Tyler Burton, an interesting piece from the Spiders that has entered the transfer portal, a wing that Kentucky could certainly take a look at and could use considering they currently still only have seven scholarship players. Also going to be answering three more listener questions today. If you've got any questions for the show, anything you want to talk talk about, you can leave that in the YouTube comments below. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. Want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. Really appreciate you tuning in wherever you are watching or listening today. So let's go ahead and get into it. Tyler Burton, a transfer wing from Richmond. I think that he would be a very fun pickup for Kentucky basketball. Why do I say fun? Well, he's a high-volume scorer from a pretty solid mid-major. Richmond, in case you don't know, has been consistently a, a pretty a decent mid-major over these past few years. I don't even know if you'd classify it as a mid-major uh, in the A-10 conference. You know, it's so-and-so, depending on the year. But uh, they've been a, a really good program for quite some time. Under 500 this past season, not a great season for the Spiders. But I'll tell you who did end up having a really good season, and that was Burton. 19 points per game, 7.4 rebounds, shooting 45% from the floor, only 29% from three, but if you go and look at his previous seasons, you'll see that he's a better three-point shooter, I think, than that. Uh, his past two seasons previously before 2022, he shot 36% uh, in both of those years, actually. Burton, I think, would be a fun pickup for the Wildcats for a couple of reasons. One is obviously, like I mentioned again, the Wildcats are really lacking right now when it comes to what's going on with their roster. Only seven scholarship players currently available to Kentucky and John Calipari. Uh, Antonio Reeves right now, it's up in the air as to whether or not he's coming back to Kentucky or leaving. Uh, it seems like he actually genuinely is exploring some transfer portal options according to things that Tristan Ferris, friend of the program, Kyle Tucker of The Athletic are putting out on social media right now. Actually today, uh, some things that they are hearing about what's going on with Reeves. I still think he's going to come back. I'd like for him to come back at this point. It may end up being more hope than anything. We'll just have to see. He would be the player that I would want back the most outside of Shebway. Obviously, Chris Livingston still in the mix here uh, for Kentucky. Uh, he's probably staying in the NFL or NBA draft, I should say, uh, based on what he's done so far through this process. But Reeves would be a big loss for Kentucky because of what his versatility means to this team. Obviously, you've got a, t a player like Adu Thiero who could potentially step up and be that guy, that guy that can kind of slot one through three because of his height, because of his ability to kind of handle the ball while also being a good defender at that three spot, I, I believe. Um, but he wouldn't provide the shooting, and I don't think he would provide the volume scoring uh, that you would need. He would just simply be a body, a good one at that, a very talented one. I'm not dissing a Duthiero here. That would be able to slot in one through three. Also, something that Antonio, Antonio Reeves could bring back to this team is something that we've... Uh, 
put an emphasis on here discussing what Kentucky needs out of the transfer portal, which is experience. I feel like I've kind of repeated myself every time I talk about some of these prospects that Kentucky could get, but it's kind of been a repetition of the same thing over and over and over again. Kentucky needs players in the portal. Kentucky doesn't really go after players in the portal. They see somebody enter, they say, hey, this is somebody that we could come and pick up. They're experienced, they're a good shooter, they score, they provide depth at a position that we need depth at. Uh, They're a veteran, they're a leader, they're somebody that we can really rely on with this freshman class. I think that they would be a great addition, yada, yada, yada. And then we hear Kentucky reach out to them and we don't hear anything else about it. It's honestly getting annoying at this point that Kentucky's not able to land any of these guys. They're just simply able to talk to them and then lose out in the race because of several outside factors. Now, I talked about this, I believe, on yesterday's show, might have been the day before that, Um, Just discussing the different issues with Kentucky when it comes to trying to pick up guys like Burton, who, in case you're wondering, is 6'7", 220 pounds. So he'd be great uh, sliding in at the three, the four. And according to something that I was reading earlier, he at times played as an emergency five in a small ball lineup for Richmond, which is, again, goes into why I described Tyler Burton as a fun pickup for Kentucky. They could do a lot of different things if he was added to the roster. But what's prohibiting Kentucky from getting guys like Burton is the recruiting class, is the facilities, is the NIL. It feels like Kentucky as a powerhouse, as a national brand, as a global brand even, uh, is struggling to get talent that they could normally acquire if they didn't have the cir- the circumstances with the roster, which is weird. Like, you need players, right? But the players that you want and the players that you need aren't going to necessarily be interested in coming to play for you because of the fact that, that they're so talented, the freshmen that are coming in already. It's kind of weird where we've seen some or heard some different dynamics with some of these different transfer portal pieces where they're like, it would be interesting to come here. I like this, that, and the other about Kentucky, but here are some issues, and it relates back to don't know how I feel about playing time. I believe Keisha Johnson was one of those guys that had some concerns there. We've seen centers uh, kind of churn down Kentucky in essence through their process by saying, Listen, I'm not taking a look at UK, and I'm not seriously discussing this until I know Oscar is not coming back. And that's, again, prohibited Kentucky from going after and filling spots that they need. It feels like it's partially Kentucky's fault, and it's partially not. Because if you bring in a top, the best recruiting class that you've had in a hot minute and one of the best classes in the nation, uh, if you bring in that class, those four, five stars, and then the, the fifth one in Reed Shepard, or the fifth four-star, rather, in Reed Shepard, I mean, you take that. Absolutely, you take that. And if Kentucky's able to hold on to a couple of these pieces, maybe next year we see the Wildcats have more success in the transfer portal, picking up guys like Burton Wings with experience that Kentucky needs. I want to be clear. This is not just a fun, exciting pickup, somebody that can score. This is a need for Kentucky. I'm starting to get to the point where I'm trying to rationalize out how these guys could be feeling. And a 19 points per game score, sure, he could go somewhere and start and play, like, in the SEC even. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, some of these guys may be willing to take that cut uh, in their points per game and their volume scoring if they're able to go to a place like Kentucky. And to be honest with you, Burton feels like a guy where it's, I don't necessarily know what his NBA upside is, but it doesn't really seem like, based on what I've read, there is much. So come to Kentucky, run out a national title, be a really strong player uh, with with surrounded talent that is that is a lot younger than you that you can kind of mentor. Like, there's so many different opportunities with the Wildcats that it, it feels like at this point 
Kentucky has to start pitching some of that if they aren't already because we are getting later in the process. Now, I will also say this. Oscar Shibway has a week. As of this recording, it is May 25th. He's got six days before the end of the uh, end, end of the time where he can pull out of the NBA draft. We could be hearing a really exciting announcement soon. We could not. I, I'm not really sure what's going to happen here with Shibway. I'd like to say he comes back, but that's not an official prediction right now. But we could be seeing, hearing some more positive news, maybe some more... Uh, engaging things happening in, happening in the portal because of Shibway's announcement here in a few days. So will we get to hear Kentucky reach out to Burton? Will we get to hear them reach out and actually get the pursuit uh, or get the attention of guys like Julian Phillips, a former five-star wing that is currently transferring from Tennessee? And as of today, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been reported that Kentucky is among the teams that have reached out to him. Uh, could they land somebody like uh, Burton or could they land somebody like a Keyshot Johnson type? who is a veteran experienced wing uh, that could really provide you some depth at piece, uh, places that you need it straight up. So that's Tyler Burton. That's how I think uh, the Kentucky roster is shaping up right now. Again, just kind of frustrating the way that things are unfolding, excuse me, without Kentucky really at the end of the day doing anything about it. It feels like partially it's, it's partially inflicted because of their current situation. It's partially because, you know, there are probably a lot of great opportunities out there for players like Burton. The thing I want to mention here, he has the option of going pro. He has that option. But I don't know if Burton is going to. There was one place that I said it's expected for him to stay uh, on on course to go pro. I, and there's another there's other places that say, you know, a return to college could could seem likely for his future. So we'll see. If you've got any thoughts on Tyler Burton, if you've got any thoughts on the Wildcats and again, been asking you guys this a lot, what they need to do in the transfer portal. You can leave that in the YouTube comments below. I've got my thoughts. You share yours. If you're listening on podcast, you can also check us out at Locked On UK on Twitter. All right, I want to get into three listener questions from you guys to wrap up, wrap up today's show. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Bird Dogs. I am actually currently wearing a pair of Bird Dogs. I got an extra black pair of shorts from them. Really comfortable compression shorts that Bird Dogs has. They also have pants. And I think the biggest thing that we've harped on here on the show is the versatility uh, of these different shorts. In fact, after I'm done with this recording, I'm going to meet up with some friends. You know, walk around the campus here, uh, the college uh, town that I live in. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, to kind of get some steps in. And the Bird Dogs, they are extremely comfortable. It's actually funny. This is not a bit. Uh, I, I say that too much during my uh, during talking about Bird Dogs. One of my friends, actually, we met up to go get lunch earlier, and he was wearing a pair of bird dogs, and he was talking about how comfortable they are because I pointed out, I'm like, yo, uh, they're a sponsor on my show. So a lot of people that I know are using bird dogs. They're really comfortable. They're great for you as well. Again, not just shorts, but also pants as well. If you want to go to uh, bird dogs and check out what they've got, birddogs.com slash college. If you enter promo code college while you're there, you'll get a free Custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every single order that you make. Again, that's birddogs.com slash locked on college. When you enter promo code locked on college, get a Yeti style tumbler for free with every single order. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. 
From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, continuing along on the Thursday edition of Locked On, Kentucky Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Cannot believe it is already uh, Thursday afternoon here. Uh, really appreciate everybody watching. If you are not subscribed to the show already on YouTube, would really appreciate it if you went ahead and hit that subscribe button. Also, like the video uh, if you enjoy what you're seeing. And again, if you have any questions, because we're about to dive into a few of them, I don't want to hold you guys back. If you've got any thoughts on what you want to hear from us here uh, at Locked On UK, just leave it in the YouTube comments one more time at Locked On UK on Twitter. If you have any thoughts on the show or what you want to hear from us, one of you guys tweeted out or tweeted to me rather, I believe uh, on my on my personal Twitter, Lance Dahl underscore, and asked me, "Do you think Antonio Reeves will stay in the NBA draft?" I hope I answered that question on yesterday's show, but I will I will say again. Because of the current rumors that are coming out about, well, he may actually be genuinely looking at some different places in the transfer portal, um, I I will say that no, he's not going to stay in the NBA draft, and uh, I think that he's coming back to college. Now, whether that's at Kentucky or whether it's at another college, we will have to see, Um, but to answer the the listener that reached out to me on on my Twitter, the answer, I think, is no, most likely, Uh, and I hope that we dove into that uh, on yesterday's show and gave you guys uh, my perspective, my whole perspective on the current situation going on with Reeves. So first question here, though, from Izix. We've got two from Izix today because he asked a lot of really good ones in a YouTube comment. He said, do you think the addition of John Welch will make a significant step for, or Kentucky will take a significant step with the addition of John Welch in becoming a more modern offense, perhaps shooting more threes? Again, whenever we had Welch, uh, we, we discussed Welch joining the coaching staff uh, just a couple of episodes ago. If you did not hear that, John Welch, longtime NBA assistant, I believe over two decades uh, in the in the league there, also 10-plus years in college as well, or around 10 years. He's been around the game for a really long time. He's been around some really high-profile people that were uh, you know, pioneers uh, with certain offenses, specifically the dribble drive. Um, he has really, really... Uh, been around the game for quite some time, and he knows ball. Uh, that he, he certainly does know ball. I think that Kentucky, they added him, by the way, for individual player development. They also added him to be a heavy hand and what John Calipari does with his offense. In fact, he's going to be one of the big-time scouts for them, according to Cal, uh, in this upcoming season. So he's going to play a big role in what this team offensively looks like this season. I'm not going to sit here and say during game previews this upcoming year, Unless it gets brought up by the media or unless it gets brought up by Cal, hey, this is a John Welch offense. Hey, this is a John Welch offense. Hey, this is something that we see because John Welch is now here. I think that on its own, as the the season evolves, Kentucky, to answer your question, is yes, will start to look a little bit more modern in what they like to do. And I know that some people call John Calipari's offense archaic. I know some of the things are just very confusing as to how Kentucky likes to implement things late in games. Part, part of that, I think, is because of the lack of experience that Calipari consistently has on his roster. Um, maybe they're not the best at, at executing in clutch time when it comes to complex sets or things. I, I, I don't know. Um, maybe I'm off on that. That's just, just pure speculation there. Um, but I think that there will be aspects of this offense that you will go and look and say, 
that's something that Kentucky didn't do a lot of last season. Maybe running the fast break a little bit more is something that Kentucky focuses on this year. Maybe it's more efficient shot selection, and that's something that we have preached on this show. I mean, I have been one of the biggest advocates for Kentucky to take better shots, uh, not just uh, necessarily straightaway threes, corner threes, and shots at the rim. I Just be better in your shot, shot selection whenever things get out of sorts. I think one of the biggest things that we're going to see out of Kentucky if John Welch does play as heavy of a hand is maybe better pacing, not necessarily more three-point shooting. Uh, is I hate for that to be kind of the kind of the buzzkill here. I don't think Kentucky's going to be taking a lot more threes, but what I think they will be doing is they'll be pacing themselves a lot better. So it kind of ties into what I was just saying about shot selection. At times over the past few seasons, and this has been a consistent theme. This is not just a Cal thing. This is a call. This is a basketball thing. This is a sport thing. Sometimes, whenever things start to get out of hand within a game, the team that is losing or is losing momentum, so to speak, and this is highlighted in basketball because basketball is a game of runs. It's a big time momentum game. You will see a team start to rush things, and I go back to games against LSU. Games against South Carolina, where Kentucky has had opportunities to execute if they would calm down and run their stuff just a little bit better, a little bit more focused, but Kentucky seems to get jittery, get angsty, get get in a position where they feel like they need to get a shot up really, really quick, and everything's going so fast, and I think having a guy like Welch who has been around the game for so long and understands how to pace things out at the NBA level when things are getting serious... I think that is going to be great perspective to add on to some of these kids, some of these younger players, the four or five stars and Reed Shepard, which, I mean, if you throw him in there with a the five star as well, he was averaging almost 30 a game at one point. So uh, you've got younger players that will be benefit, that will be greatly benefited by the addition of John Welch in terms of pacing, in terms of maturity, in terms of execution. I think we're going to see the offense look more modern, so to speak. Um, but Isix, unfortunately, I don't think that means Kentucky's going to be chucking up more threes. And I, I don't say chucking as in like a negative term. I mean, like they've got the talent to do it. Uh, I just don't know if they will. So hopefully that answers your question. Kentucky Athletics or UK Athletics on YouTube asks, if Cal failed to win a championship, would it be justified to fire Cal and even Barnhart for making that lifetime contract? Or should fans forgive Barnhart for that mistake? Adding on to this subject, what would it take for you to call for the firing of Stoops outside of possibly illegal activities? I'm going to answer the second half of this question first. Mark Stoops, I think, right now would really have to have a, a, a bad run, like three years. I think it would, ha- it would take three years of a bad run with a year in there, whether it be the first, second, or third year where it was just bad. And I mean anywhere between 4-8 and eight to 2-10. and 10. I mean, Kentucky would really have to fall apart on the record And on top of that, I think that we would have to start seeing some underlying issues with the coaching staff in relation to the players in the locker room. You would have to not just see, okay, Kentucky from a culture standpoint is great. Kentucky from a fan base perspective is great, but they're losing. It's whatever. It's happened. We're Kentucky football, yada, yada, yada. I think that people could get past that for a couple of years. I'm going to pause for water. But But Mark Stoops would have to start to lose fan interest. He would start to have to, I don't want to say bore people with the culture that he has implemented here, but it would start to, it, things would have to get visibly and uh, visibly stale in order for Mark Stoops to get fired. Uh, I think that's what would have to ha- have to happen. It'd have to be more than two years 
of really bad football uh, for Kentucky to consider firing him and letting him go because they've he, he's brought them a pair of 10-win seasons. He could be on the precipice of another one uh, this year. So it'd take, it'd take a good bit for Cal, or excuse me, for Stoops to get fired. As for if Cal failed to win a championship, would it be justified to fire Cal and then Barnhart for making that lifetime contract? I don't know if you mean for this season or for the next two or three. If it's this season, absolutely not. Uh, it does not justify firing Coach Cal, and it certainly doesn't fire uh, justify firing Mitch Barnhart for the lifetime contract for a couple of reasons. Number one, Cal is one of the most storied coaches in the game for the past 30 years plus, however long he's been re- really relevant in, in the coaching ranks, maybe longer than that. Cal is a staple of basketball, not just college, but NBA as well. He's a staple of basketball. He's won a title at this program. He was given a lifetime contract, and I don't think that this next season, if he doesn't win a championship, would be enough to say, okay, based on your track record right now, based on where you're heading, we're letting you go because you didn't win a title. If Kentucky doesn't even make, if Kentucky doesn't make the tournament, we'll be having some serious conversations. If Kentucky loses in the route of 64, we'll be having some serious conversations. If Kentucky is a high seed and they are upset in the round of 32, you guessed it, we will still be having some very serious conversations about John Calipari and whether or not he finishes out his tenure with UK. Does it mean Mitch Barnhart's going to get fired? I I don't think so. Would it be justified? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think it I don't think it would be right to say, hey, you gave this guy who won you a title a lifetime contract as one of the greatest coaches in the sport, definitely going to make the Hall of Fame. Uh we're going to fire you because he didn't win a because he didn't win a title uh, or he didn't come close. Um if if situation if the situation gets dire, Kentucky has a lot of injuries and they don't make the postseason, it's I still think him walking and Barnhart keeping his job would probably be the most understandable outcome for fans. And I think the answer is to to follow to kind of wrap up this question, UK Athletics. The answer for me is yes, I think fans should forgive Barnhart for that mistake. I mean, look at where look at where Kentucky was before they signed that signed that contract. They were in a great position. They had still some really good years there. Kentucky at one point lost on a quite literally a buzzer beater. To, from Luke May. I mean, things just sometimes happen in the NCAA tournament. And I have harped on that over and over and over and over again on this podcast. And I'm going to continue to say it until the cows come home. It's hard to win in the NCAA tournament. There's no other way to put it. You can't expect every single year for Kentucky to blitz through, name whatever team you want to, until they get to the Elite Eight or the Final Four. That's not how it works. This isn't the professional, this isn't a professional league, this isn't NFL, this isn't even college football. It's so much different compared to other postseason brackets. It's so much more difficult considering how many teams you have so little time to scout and prepare for because anything can change in a moment's notice. Quite literally, like I just said, it's March Madness, buzzer beaters, upsets, chaos. That's the whole purpose of the postseason it makes a lot of money it's a lot of fun most casual fair-weathered fans enjoy it even people who don't care about college basketball still watch it because it's a fun product you can't expect Kentucky to win a title consistently 
in that sort of field, regardless of the talent that they have. Now, what you can expect is for Kentucky to compete and field a team that would be capable of winning a national title. Uh, Something that nobody has asked, and I, I quite frankly will probably reserve this for another show, is whether or not the NCAA tournament is a good determination of who is the best team in college basketball. There are there are probably a lot of differing opinions on this. I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's not fun, not saying it's not entertaining, not saying that people don't watch it. I, it's awesome. I love it. Is it the best way to determine a champion? I don't think so. I don't think it is. I think that the teams that have earned the talent are statistically proven to be more dominant than other teams. You know, and you may say, well, then just go win the tournament game. Again, it goes back to how statistically improbable it is to do it, especially on a consistent basis. So uh, if Cal fails to win a championship this season, I'm not melting down. But I need, we as fans, we need to see, it would be nice to see them win a title. We need to see them at least show the ability to win a national title. You get what I mean? It, not every single Final Four team makes the national title. That's why there's only four of them. Not every single Elite Eight team is like, well, that team's going to make the national title. But they, but you look at their roster, you look at their makeup, you look at how they got there, unless there's some rando Cinderella, you're looking at the talent, the statistics, the domination. UConn is a great example of this. That team is like, that. that's a great team. Texas this past year, that's a great team. They got bounced in the Final Four, right? Uh, at least if I'm not mistaken, if I'm remembering the uh, NCAA tournament correctly. Kentucky should compete. Kentucky cannot win a national title every single year, nor, quite honestly, do I think should they be expected to get to the Final Four every single season. The Elite Eight, that's kind of where it's fringe. Sweet 16, that's kind of where it's fringe. That should be your baseline expectation. Anything above that is, quite honestly, gravy because no team in college basketball can do it consistently. Nobody can. It's a thing of the past. We have to move on from it. Teams were so much easier to build dynasties with decades ago. John Wooden, Bob Knight, whatever may have you. Uh, even uh, Shashetsky at Duke, whenever he he had that, that dominant run for 20-plus years, Duke wasn't making the national title every single year and winning it. Now, they won some. Jay Wright at Villanova, he had a couple there. But that even that is starting to get closer and closer to a decade ago. So we have to kind of take our lumps here as fans and just realize, sure, Kentucky can compete, but they're not going to win every single year because that's just not how the sport is wired right now. Now, if this was college football, you could make such an easier argument for a team needing and expecting to be dominant every single season and then going and winning the national title. How do we know that? Even today, throughout the transfer portal era and NIL being implemented, we still see Dynasties like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, they're still able to dominate. As of right now, the Bulldogs are on top of that pile. They are going to continue to be a national force to be reckoned with, and they will dominate year after year after year until they prove that they are just losing talent or can't keep up in this in this state, the state of college football. As for basketball, it's about, what, three times larger the Division One size is? And it's so much more difficult to acquire talent, I think, consistently across the rosters. And even when Blue Bloods like Kentucky does it, once more, there's so much more parity and nuance and matchup exploitation, I think, that can happen in college basketball that makes it a much more entertaining product because upsets can happen more often. But it's not 
you're, you're not going to see Kentucky win a title consistently. I'm sorry. It does not matter if they get five five stars every single season. It does not matter. They're not going to do it. That's not how the sport is wired. That's how it's going to be for the foreseeable future, maybe forever. But what we can expect one more time, ask fans, we can expect Kentucky to compete. If they don't feel the team that can't compete, then we start asking the questions about whether or not people should get fired, whether or not Barnhart or Cal should walk. I think that you give this a three-year, four-year window, and if you don't see a team make the Elite Eight or the Final Four, it's over. After three seasons, I think you call it, because if you can't do it this late in your in your te- uh, tenure, I don't know if you're ever going to be able to do it and truly adjust to the new age uh, of college basketball, so to speak. So hopefully that answers your question. I know that's a tangent uh, there as to kind of what the state of college basketball is. I'm just kind of speaking my mind on this. We're getting into the offseason. It's that time. <laughs> to kind of give thoughts and opinions on things like this. Uh, if you've got any thoughts on that, comments at Locked on UK on Twitter. The final question I want to get to here, and this is also from Izix. As of now, what do you think our rank will be for the start of next year's season for basketball and football? Top 10, top 25. This is more straightforward. This is why I left it as the last question. I think Kentucky, that's a good place to put them, top 10. I think they'll be somewhere between 8 to 12th uh, to start the preseason poll. It's going to be interesting to see where teams like Florida Atlantic end up because I think Kentucky will probably end up right around where FAU is simply because of their experience and how far they were able to make it last season. They'll be 8th, 7th through 12th, 13th, somewhere around there. Maybe 10 is a really good spot for UK. The reason we don't rank them higher, and again, I'm trying to set realistic expectations for us, is the fact that a lot of people now in the national media, the people that will be voting for this AP poll, I would love to vote for it. By the way, if you happen to have a contact and you think that uh, you think that they, uh, the AP needs an extra voter for this upcoming season, I uh, don't pay attention to just Kentucky. I like to pay attention to everything. So if you've got an extra spot, I would love to vote uh, because I would love to discuss that on the show, how I would do that. Maybe I'll just do that anyway. Sorry, I'm ranting today. But to answer your question, I think that 8th through 12th, somewhere around there, Kentucky, because of their freshman class, is going to be not going to be ranked extremely high because it's not as fondly looked upon as it has been in years past because transfer portal, NIL, new things make better rosters. Uh, that's just how it is. And I say better. I mean, better in the eyes of the media. Um, but who knows? It could genuinely be a better roster. Anyway, as far as football, yeah, I think 23 through 25, 22 through 25 is probably where you're going to see UK. You won't see them higher than 20th um, in the AP poll to start off the year. They're going to have a lot of experience. Uh, They're going to have a lot of offensive firepower. I think people are going to be excited about how that defense shapes out is going to be a big question that we answer throughout the summer and in fall camp. Uh, So yeah, 21st, 20th through 25th, you're not going to see them rank higher than that. That's just my opinion. Uh, So hopefully that answers your question, Isix, for both of those things. Uh, Final thing I want to point out here on today's episode before we head out, uh, I want to shout out Cotton Nash, rest in peace to the great Cotton Nash, just passed away at the age of 80 a couple of days ago on May 23rd, ninth all-time in Kentucky history and scoring. Uh, some of you younger people out there that may, as as myself included, who uh, don't follow the UK record books that closely, uh, he's, he was an all-time great. Uh, really solid player at Kentucky, uh, really big-time name, and it's a shame that the, uh, that the uh, Big Blue Nation lost him, but uh, hopefully uh, he's in a better place now, and shout-out to his family and thoughts and prayers to them. A really, really good player uh, that the uh, Big Blue Nation just lost. So uh, really, really appreciate what Nash was able to do for this program uh, way back when. And rest in peace to one of the greats. So 
That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. If you have any questions for the show, you can leave them in the YouTube comments below. You can also follow me on Twitter at LanceDaw underscore. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnUK. You can follow the show on Instagram at Kentucky Podcast as well. One more time. Any thoughts, any opinions on what you've got going on right now? I like to read the comments and I love to check the DM. So hit me all there. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and God bless.